Hey, what is up, guys? Welcome back to the Life Runners podcast. I hope you all are doing well today. I thought we would just take a, you know, an episode to talk about some of the watches that have sort of caught our eye over the last couple months. We did this, I think, in the YouTube format um, over a year ago. Um, but I thought podcast format was a pretty good way that we could discuss some of the watches that we've been seeing um, on social media. People have been sending them to us. Um, and yeah, I thought we, we would just kind of talk through some of these pieces. Um, I've only picked out three. I don't want to make this a super long episode where I'm just droning on about these watches because I could definitely do it. But I've picked three watches that I thought we could talk about. Um, I'll also maybe give you some updates sort of on the the news of life on the wrist, etc. So I thought that is what we could do today. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes of this episode so you can see... Um, you can see all of the, the watches that we're talking about. Uh, most of the links will be to Life on the Wrist, but we also will use some, some third parties as well who, because we may have not just covered these watches. So um, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, so I'll actually start off with um, a, f- a really beautiful and, in my opinion, something that's becoming more and more rare, uh, and that is a complicated watch from Alang Anzuna. I don't, the complicated watch from Alang Anzuna is not becoming more rare. What's becoming more rare is manual wind complicated pieces. Most of the times watch manufacturers are creating pieces that are, um, are, are automatic watches and they'll have complications to them. Alang Anzuna recently released the um, Cabaret Lange Handwerk uh, Handwerk Kunst Turbion. This is basically an iteration of one of the original watches that they made back in the 90s, which was a rectangular watch with a tourbillon at 6 o'clock and a date at 12 o'clock. Um, it also has a power reserve indicator on two of the, two of the, one of the sub, uh, I guess one of the two subdials. And the dial of the watch is a, a lot of time and effort was taken into creating this, um, this dial. So like I said, it was released back in the 90s. This was an extremely important part of the Alanganzuna lineup of watches um, during that time. And they decided to release um, almost an identical piece um, to, 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 the original, um, to the original watch. To describe this watch a little bit more to you, the watch is a, rectang- a rectangular cased watch. Um, the one that they release now is actually in platinum and um, so rectangular watch, quite short lugs, so it integrates into the bracelet quite nicely. And then what you basically have is this extremely um, difficult, <laughs> difficultly finished um, watch movement or watch uh, dial that a ton of time and effort has been taken into creating it. So they have a great, it's basically a grayed out portion around the outside, which is a specific finish that they've applied. There's white gold that was used to create sort of the inter the intersection of this dial, which is sort of this, um, these, um, these diamond shaped, um, this diamond shaped pattern that kind of takes up basically the center of the dial. And then what you have inside of that is you have the iconic date, um, complication for Alang Anzuna up at towards 12 o'clock below that there is Alang Anzuna written. You have the hours and minutes hand in the middle of the dial. And then just below that you have two sub dials that were, are, towards the um, left and right side of the dial. The one on the left is for the seconds and the one on the right is the typical ab auf 
power reserve indicator that you see on a lot of Alang Anzuna watches. And then when you get to six o'clock, you have this incredible turbulent cage that stares at you from the dial. <coughs> at the bottom of the dial, then you also have Made in Germany and Glashütte um, signed on there. Um, and that is basically the watch. The watch comes in a black strap. So obviously going for a little bit more of a formal look, something a little bit more dressy. Um, but what's really important about this is actually, I think when you turn the watch over and you see this, um, this extremely important caliber from, from Alangonzona, it's the, um, L042.1, which is an in-house movement from Alangonzona. It's almost identical to the original movement that was used in this, in the cabaret, um, in the 1990s. <clears throat> um, there were some modifications obviously with the things that they have learned through throughout that time um, but when you look at this movement I think this is a perfect example of what Alang and Zun is so you have quite a big three-quarter plate that takes up the majority of the of the, the the movement or the case back with, that you're looking at you have really cool bridges um, towards the bottom where the tourbillon is is housed and just everything looks very very compact on this watch obviously that three-quarter plate is going to is you know, below that is sort of where a lot of the other mechanisms are. Um, but talk about perfectly executed watch. Um, the watch itself, I didn't describe this. This It's um, about 39 millimeters tall, 26 millimeters wide, and 10 millimeters in height. So uh, dress piece, smaller, um, probably goes for in a, in a more of a dressy setting. I said this watch was in platinum. Um, this watch is not cheap. It is 315 thousand euros there's only 30 pieces of this watch that are going to be created worldwide so it's a limited edition um, the reason why this really caught my eye is the fact that I really like sort of dressier watches I also really like um, rectangle or square watches I think they're an interesting place that are um, that perhaps are not looked at as, as as often as maybe some other other pieces are that are square and I have a very big affinity to manual wind pieces. It's something that I really like doing. I like winding my watches. I like the fact that I'm directly involved in the timekeeping of them. Um, and so to, to have a complicated piece like this from Alain Gonzuna that's beautifully executed and a manual wind, it's basically my heaven. So, so um, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can check this one out. The next piece I wanted to talk about was um, from Tuck Hoyer. This is maybe, it's part of, it's something that came from the brand. I don't know if you would consider it a watch or not. Um, I've been a proponent of saying smart watches are not watches, they're just technology. Um, but this is the Tuck Hoyer Mario Connected Watch. So if you hadn't seen, this is all over Instagram. This is a, um, this is a um, Mario inspired connected watch that Tagore has created. It's actually a limited edition um, connected piece and it comes with a lot of different features that make this watch a little bit more interesting um, than, uh, than, than just a typical smartwatch from, from, um, from Tagore. So it's a Tagore connected watch. It's in titanium. The watch itself is 45 millimeters um, in diameter so it's fairly large. Um, battery reserve is 20 hours. Um, you can use it for six hours of sport during that time. Um, and it's going to be retailing for $2,150 in Tagore boutiques. This watch, like I said, was a limited edition. I am trying to make sure I find the um, amount that 
it, it was um, that it was created in. I'll, I'll get to that if I find it. But what's really cool about this watch is it has a Mario-inspired sort of feel to it. So very obviously, when you look at this watch, you look at the dial of this watch, you can see Mario in one of the sub-dials on, on the connected watch. Then if you look on the bezel of the watch, you also see a mushrooms and stars and things that are related to the Mario franchise. The crown is signed with an M and the strap is um, red and black. So it goes with sort of the, the, um, the, uh, the, the aesthetics of, of that. Um, what's cool about this watch is it's a little bit different. It, it comes with a couple more features that are fairly interesting. So um, obviously smart watches are used to track the steps that you um, take in a given day. So when you reach 25% of your, your step count that you uh, intended to get to, um, there's a little thing where Mario will eat a mushroom and that will supersize him. So obviously going in with the story of that. At 50%, Mario is going to go down a, 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 um, a green pipe and then at 75%, he becomes invincible. Or excuse me, yeah, he becomes invincible after he touched a superstar, which is that thing that I mentioned that was on the bezel of this watch. And then once you reach 100% reach of your steps for that specific day, Mario is going to climb up the uh, flagpole um, to, you know, to victory. And, um, and that's kind of, you know, a very typical thing that happens when, when you, you're playing Mario, um, Mario games. One of the things that they did say is there's a couple more Easter eggs that comes that come with this watch that you have to discover. They aren't releasing everything, but obviously within the Mario kind of franchise, there's a lot that Mario could possibly do. So exciting to, to see there. Um, it's a limited edition. I can't see a published amount of how many of these are going to be, how, how many of these are created. So it's a li limited amount. Um, we'll have to see, um, see how they, how they end up selling. Uh, but one of the things that's really interesting about this is I think that the Mario franchise, there's so much that you could probably <clears throat> build off of for, from this. And so um, I'm, I'm almost willing to bet that there's going to be more versions of the connected watch to come. I think this is a really important watch. I know that smart watches are controversial, but I think this is a very important watch because I think the Mario franchise and, and I think Pokemon is the same. I think the, the, those two franchises are a very important part about of a, it's a very important part of um, a specific generation's youth. And the fact that they're coming out of watches like this, I think, was a good move from Tagcar because it's going to catch people's attention who are interested in these franchises. Um, the people who perhaps can't afford these now were probably Mario Mario Brothers. Uh, you know kids and so i think that's also another another piece there i really like it i think it's a fun way to kind of iterate off of a design that you already have um and you might as well enjoy a smartwatch if you're going to end up wearing one the last piece i wanted to talk about was um is the tag Heuer aqua racer it's the new aqua racer from tag Heuer. i've covered this i covered this when they released it back in april um during kind of watches and wonders etc um but the reason why I want to talk about this is it's come up so much in my life. Um, I, I, we did a, we finally were able to go traveling again, and so we were able to create another video that was part of our series where we basically do watch spotting at airports. And I saw one of these, the the new Tugcar Aqua Racer, in black on someone's wrist, and I realized it's an extremely important watch. Um, 
and then obviously like on Instagram I'm seeing it and I'm thinking this is a really great move from Tagore. They've created something that's pretty unique. Well, relatively unique, I think is a better way of saying it. But um, they, they created something that is um, cool looking. I think it's a good staple for their collection. And I hope they could continue with this watch in their regular lineup of watches. Um, <clears throat> so the, um, the the piece I'm talking about is the Aquarius Professional 300. This is a, sort of a new design era for the Aquarius that they, that they released. It has a very typical sort of dive watch appeal to it with sort of an octagonal bezel, stainless steel case, um, sort of a wavy dial, and then it has a date at three o'clock. The watch came, I think, in 36 millimeter and I wanna say 43 millimeters. I think they came out with, with some on each of those. But the one that I really like is the one in black. This is a, you know, obviously reminiscent of the Rolex Submariner, but I think it's a good place for Tycor to have because it's sort of their staple. I think the Aquarius should be their dive watch. Rolex can have the Submariner, Tudor can have the Black Bay, Omega can have the Seamaster, but I hope that Tycor continues to, with this design and keeps this, this watch sort of um, the same as it as it is. I really like the black uh, version of this watch. It does come in different dial colors. There's a in the 43 millimeters, there's a blue and blue dial, blue bezel version, like I said, black and black bezel. And there's a black bezel and white dial of this version of this watch. The 36 millimeters come with a blue, blue dial, blue bezel, a silver dial, gray bezel, <clears throat> black dial, black bezel, and then a green dial, blue, green bezel. So, you know, this year I think was the year of green dials and green watches. So obviously this is sort of part of it. Um, but like I said, uh, I saw this on someone's wrist and I really liked how it, how it wore. It was the 43 millimeter version, so the larger version of this watch. Um, I think I would probably wear a 36 millimeter version, but I would try on the 43 just to see how it fits. Um, but yeah, I think this was this is a, a really great release from them. I think it's probably doing very very well. I saw it on someone's wrist only you know three four months after I after we covered it on our website, which is fairly phenomenal. Um, so I think that's great. I think it's it's great to see Tucker doing this. I think they've received um, some unwarranted um, lack of enthusiasm for their <clears throat> their lineup of watches over the last couple of years, and I hope that this maybe puts them on the right track. Just to cover this really quickly, they also did a limited edition um, of the Aqua Racer that was paying tribute to the reference 844, which was produced in the 1970s by Hoyer, which is sort of the epitome, the you know, the epitome of where the Aqua Racer kind of came from. Similar aesthetics to the original, black dial, black bezel, uh, faux patina, hour markers and hands, but date at six o'clock, similar design to the Aqua Racer. I just think they're doing things right with this watch and that's really exciting for me. So I hope you guys uh, enjoyed hearing about <clears throat> some of the watches that have caught our eye over the last um, couple months. I'd say the last probably 30 days, um, these watches have really been intriguing to us. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think about these watches. You can hit us up on any of our social medias Send us a message, we'll definitely reply because we love talking watches. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes, like I said, to each one of these pieces so you can um, take a look at them and, and see them while we sort of talk through them. If you are new to Life on the Wrist, be sure to subscribe to the channel so you are um, the first person who can listen to these podcasts as soon as they're released. We release podcasts every single Tuesday, so um, we'd love to have you um, be a part of our discussions. If you haven't checked out our website, go to lifeonthewrist.com where you can see all of our content. We produce YouTube videos three times a week. We have a corresponding article in the ed editorial section of our website for each of those videos. So you can head over there to check those out. 
Be sure to follow us on our social medias. There'll be a link in the, in the show notes for every single one of the things I've talked about. <clears throat> so just go check out the show notes. <laughs> and with that said, guys, I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. And until next time.